Welcome back to FBS Fireside, where we bring men to life by bringing life to men. Uh, I'm your host, Willard Brown, a.k.a. Worldwide Willard, and I'm back with my co-host, Jaworski Vance, is back in the building. How you doing? How you feeling, man? Welcome back. Man, I'm feeling amazing, man. So glad to be back here. I feel absolutely wonderful. It has been some trying times, but I'm excited, man, because of who you have on the show with you today, man. This is good stuff, man. I can't believe the people, the men, the mighty men of God we have joining us. So I'm glad to be here. Man, that's awesome, man. We're glad to have you back. We have a, a new addition to our show um, who's been a guest a couple of times, and now he's he's signing on with us in the brotherhood, Ronnie Wells. Ronnie Wells is where are you? Where are you right now, Ronnie? I am back home in a good old West Virginia, and I love that y'all got me on this ten day contract. You know, <laughs> if I can make the squad, but you know I'm gonna do extra suicide hustle. But it is a pleasure to be with y'all, especially being on first time with JV and our special guest. Man, you know, and speaking of special man. guests, man, we have a phenomenal special guest. Mm-hmm. Not only is he an author, he's also a speaker. He's a life coach, a designer, and an inventor. We have Mr. Reginald Foreman. We have the pleasure of having Mr. Reginald Foreman in the house with us. Reginald, Mr. Foreman, I don't know what to, with all that title, I don't know what to call you, sir. Let me just call you, <laughs> sir. How are you, sir? <laughs> yeah, hey, y'all make a brother feel real good. <laughs> yes, sir. Reggie yes, is sir. just fine. I'm doing great, man. I, I'm, I always tell people it's an honor to be able to be alive and still be able to have a platform to tell my story, anybody's story, because people don't have to listen to you. Man, you're exactly right. I really want to start with just kind of showcasing a little bit of your story. Um, could you tell us about a little bit about your story to get us started? Well, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, in the times of, uh, well, I can't say in the times, game's still popping right now, but I was mm-hmm. born in Chicago, Illinois. I lived with my mother. Uh, my mother was wrapped up in drugs and ended up in prostitution. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a household where she was kind of abusive. They say hurt people, hurt other people. So I right. dealt with that in Chicago where, man, dudes was getting jumped, killed for rank. Turn your hat the wrong way. Um, I was shipped from house to house like an orphan. I lived with my aunt, my grandmothers and all that back and forth because my mother wasn't stable. And I found out that my father, who lived in Miami, Florida, went to the Army. Um, he was more middle class. I found out that um, him and my mother made the agreement that when I left high school, I was supposed to move with him, just like on Boys in the Hood. And I didn't know that. Trade. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. So I'm growing up, man, where getting chased home every day because of games, because they don't fight one-on-one. And so I had to learn to survive. And I finally made it from that to, to, uh, to Alabama. I, I grew up back and forth in Alabama with my, with my grandma. Then my mom moved there. We stayed in the trailer park. And, and it was times when my mother just, like I said, I had a little brother, uh, He's now dead. He got killed. He was a blood at 17. But um, I had a little brother and it seemed like if I looked at him wrong, my mother was hitting. So there was, it was some hard times as I was younger, man. And I had good times too, but, but I learned to, what a lot of us black men do, I built a chip on my shoulder. Right. Um, if you look at me wrong, I had to learn because I didn't come out the womb violent. I had to learn to survive. Chicago projects then trans uh, moving from uh, Alabama to Miami, Florida. You know, it's 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 a whole new world. My stepmother was a Dolphins cheerleader and a top executive and a model. My father was corporate America. We, I mean, I went from the projects to seeing four cars and had my own room. It was a pool. It was college-educated people. But I ended up going to Miami and ended up getting in more trouble. There was a lot of thugs in Miami. 
which I tell people when they think about Miami, they may think about um, the first Prince of Bel-Air and all. If you know about anything about First 48, we talking about Liberty City, Kara City, all that type of uh, Miami. So, right. and my father wanted to, to help me change, man. He, he wanted me to go to private school. But when I say it was an all-boys school, I was like, nope. <laughs> I tried to act my dad. I said, ain't going to be able to date nothing. I begged him. He, he allowed me to go to the to the school and the community. And, and uh, I got into I got into some violence, man. Got into a lot of fights. Still coming from Chicago. I said, man, I, I can't have this no more. I mean, the second day, brother, uh, a guy named Mike, well, I don't give his name now, but one of the guys, him and another guy tried to jump me in the bathroom. This guy looked like he should have been on a college football team in the ninth grade. He was huge. So it was him and three other guys uh, put me in the chokehold and tried to take my lunch money, literally took $5 out of my pocket. And I have this thing where I go red and see tears. And I was crying and angry. And then one of the dudes, my man, get a little dude. Well, you know, he was a get a little Negro, another word, give him his money. And from that day, man, I said, all right, I ain't going to do never touch me. I'm a wild out. And um, right. mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, went and, home. Go ahead. Well, not to cut you off, man, you, you got a, a wealth of knowledge that we got to get to, but we definitely want to make sure that um, just to just to kind of backtrack a little bit. Last week, we talked about unresolved trauma. And what mm -hmm. you're talking about right now is a lot of trauma. Right. So mm -hmm. we want to talk about this week, how you use that trauma, you use that pain, you know, and transform that into power. You transform that into purpose. So um, we're going to get a little bit more into that as we move forward. But um, that's an amazing story. That's that's an amazing story. That's an amazing uh, up, upbringing that a lot of us can identify with. Yeah, definitely. I can, I can see how your I, I know one of the slogans you have is you help people turn their pain into purpose and i i can see it all over you i mean you're an entrepreneur you're writing books you are doing public speaking i'm sure i mean just just your presence for me myself personally i have to say man it's just improved the quality of my life tremendously because there are some similarities that we have historically mm -hmm. that when you talk about how you triumphed and overcame those um it really speaks to my soul in ways that only your experience can. So through the course of this show, I definitely want our viewers to be able to hear, you know, some tips from you on how, you know, you were able to endure such immense challenges as a child, right? To formulate the man we see, we see as Reginald Foreman. Amen. All right. So, um, in my experience, I think that part of the healing of that trauma and the experiences like we've been through, um, being willing to heal is big. Being sure. willing to heal. A lot of times, you know, our ego will tell us as men that, you know, even though we went through it, we're tough. We, you know, it didn't really affect us. You know what I'm saying? So um, that kind of prevents us from being willing to heal. What you think about that being the willingness, the, the openness you have to be to kind of look back and put the ego to the side and and open themselves up, open men open themselves up to be here. What you think about that? Well, yeah, that's the, that's one of the biggest things. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna give y'all a, a a preview to a testimony that just happened, which a lot of people don't. Well, people on my page know. Um, traveled all around, speaking, helping people. Been on CBN, TBN, Black Enterprise, all that good stuff. And I just realized I still have an anger issue. 
mm. the violence and stuff. And I just told my fiance, I'm going to get a therapist. Mm. So I'm talking about something that black men will not say they need to go see a therapist. And, and, I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a mental health advocate, but I realized that this new doors, God is opening greater doors. I just got a partnership with TBN for my book. Some other big doors are opening a TV, cartoon TV show and all that. Excellent. But I realized I can't go to this next level unless I be willing to let it all be healed. And that's what you're talking about. So I realized, like I said, I, I've been doing God's work helping people, but I still see the, the anger and the quick temper and the being offended. And I'm like, Lord, I didn't fast and pray and I'm not able to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. But I know on this next level, there requires a more dying to self. That requires help. So I was like, man, I just taught me and my parents, like, I'm going to get a therapist. So I, I agree with you. Once you see, once you realize that you have a purpose and you're called to do something, or you may be doing it for your family. You have to get tired of where you are. A, a guy said in prison, he had to hate he was on drugs. Mm. You know, he had to hate it for him to change. And me, you know what I mean? I used to, like I said, I came from bullying, being bullied to fighting back. So I took karate and boxing to fight. It wasn't like I was the bully. So it was hard for me to transition to being saved Christian man to my turn of the cheek. I'm like, Lord, you need to let me chastise these dudes because it was built up in me. And I had a violent mother too. So these things, and I see a lot of people in higher positions, you can see no one is perfect, but when your flaws be so apparent to people, you should get that check. If, if, if I'm working on a business and I'm, I'm doing stuff and one of my people come out, I'm like, look, man, I'm busy right now. How is that Christ? How is that peace? And sometimes I can be that serious. So I'm like, all right, God, we need to get this healed. Mm-hmm. I know where you're getting ready to take me. I don't want to keep bleeding on other people. Right. I got a question for you because you said anger. And I think anger, like me personally, that's something that has I've battled with. You know, as a former athlete, you could kind of use anger on a football field, basketball, mm-hmm. but then right. it would translate into your life. What is the the number one thing that you would say is the hardest thing to overcome when you start the process of wanting to let go of anger? Like, what's the hardest thing? I that's think the great, hardest. Okay, I was about to say, man, that's a great question. That we address that question when we break for this song, and that's a great stopping point and a great question to come back on here on FBS Fireside. Even when my strength is lost, I'll praise you. Even when I have no song, I'll praise you. And we're back, man. Uh, first of all, just thank you again, Mr. Foreman, for, for being here, what you're sharing with us. That man told you to call him Reggie. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it formal, just on the respect side, because I just appreciate him sharing his story with us today and with the audience. Um, Ronnie, you were asking a very important question. Um, just recap that question, uh, so Reggie can hop back in and answer that for us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and Reggie basically was talking about, which is, and thank you again that he is going to go to counseling to deal with anger. And anger is something that I've dealt with that I think so many black men deal with. You know, if you go somewhere and you look at a a black dude a certain way, he'd go from a zero to 100 immediately. Like we take pride on that. So what I was asking Reggie is like, what is the number one obstacle in his mind's eye for getting to a place where you're ready to deal with anger? What's the number one obstacle? I think it's pride. 
Mm. Um, but definitely for me, because the, the Bible says be angry and sin not. So there's there's places for anger, uh, protection for uh, serving and doing certain things. But when your anger is built on insecurity and pride is wrapped up in it, and I had to really face myself, say, man, you insecure when somebody challenges you, if it makes you angry fast. That's mm-hmm. an insecurity spot. That's a pride wrapped up. So I think that this is overcoming uh, the area. I think the biggest thing for me, and I think a lot of people, is pride. Because you believe that you believe in your pride, you're justifying the way you react to your wife, your children, the name, whatever. You justifying as a man or insecure uh, person that that your anger is valid or uncontrollable mm. anger is valid. That's good, man. I tell you, I Reggie, I meditate every morning and most mornings, not every. I try to do it every morning, every night for that very same reason. I realize over the years, man, that I have a lot of bent up anger that needs to be addressed Mm. and even even though i've gotten better at managing it it's just like the subtle things man that just irritate you that should not irritate you like you said when somebody challenges you you know challenges your opinion about something you shouldn't instantly go from zero to ten you know just because you've been challenged about something and i found that you know that's standard practice for me you know, my fiance says you'll know it all. And and part of the reason she says that is because, you know, I'll I'll pop off if I'm challenged, you know. And so I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm doing all this meditating and praying, man. Things should be getting a little easier at this point. Now they have I, I have I have to say that the meditation has helped me to recognize when that what you call earlier, when the tears and the eyes water and the, the face. Oh, man, that's seeing red. Then. Yeah. When you start seeing red. Well, it's too late, man. I don't even want to get to that. <laughs> right. It's too late when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I ain't, I ain't had to punch a wall in years. So I agree with what you're saying, that it's not to that extent. But I know it should be better because um, when you're around your child or your wife, you're dealing you snapping at people. It, I ain't, it don't have to be a violent take, but that is enough for a person to feel like they're being abused. If you snap at them all the time. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, and like you said, my fasting print has brought me to a certain level. But I'm wondering what this therapist and his techniques are getting root. I'm saying this because what God showed me, I, I was living with an elder after I had um got married uh, and went through a situation. Ended up homeless. I'd have been on TV shows and everything. I ended up homeless. This is my testimony. Well, God was breaking me because I was chasing success. That's one of the pivotal points in my life where God had to humble me. So I was standing with an elder and I was standing in the house and she was a mean property. Mean old lady. And I was like, she getting on my last nerve, man. And, and one day she was asking me to do something too much. And, and any enemy or things always happen when you're already going through something else. So she was asking me to do something. And I was like, man, I was getting angry. And she said, you look like you wanted to hit me. I said, I wasn't going to hit you. Hmm. I, would, I wouldn't do that. But it was so much red in my eye. So when I went in the room, God showed me. After crying out, he said, that nine-year-old little boy and you still hasn't been healed. Hmm. The one that got bullied. The one that got left. The one that uh, people turned their back on. And again, this is 40-some-year-old Reggie that's been, been on magazines and everything. It still was there. And so I'm like, okay, God, there's something deep-rooted in me. Mm. And sometimes it'll take someone else. So I'm like, this therapist may can help me heal and walk through this because I think I've taken it to the far as I can. All right. Man, you know, and that, that anger we have to be careful about because it could have medical health implications as well. I know mm. for myself, um, I had a scare back three years ago where my blood pressure would go up. Well, a lot of times I had to I had to reach back and think, 
how often and how easily will I pop off? And even, you know, your body doesn't always know when there's a real danger when it's not. I could be coaching, you know, and get upset about somebody not executing a play and get so, so upset, you know, so I had to understand and pray and meditate. And I, I was really intentional about it at the end of the night. I get my, um, my cow gun on. I don't know if you remember cow gun, take me away. Bubble bath, candle, you know, Epsom salt, stretching, light music, you know, um, because we really have to start taking care of ourselves. But yes, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, and we definitely want to kind of dive back into how we can begin to heal. And I want to address mm-hmm. how we can turn that that pain into purpose when we get back uh, right here on FBS Fireside. I'll never be more loved than I am right. Wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy To make you proud I'll never be more loved Than I am right now You are We're back on FBS Fireside, man We're really enjoying this conversation We're talking about uh, trauma and, and how to cope with that. We got Mr. Reggie Foreman in the house. Um, we got Ronnie Wells in the house and, and my co-host Jaworski Vance, uh, Mr. Foreman. And yes, I said Mr. Foreman. Uh, thank you again for being here. Uh, we're really enjoying the time. And uh, let's talk about success a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about, uh, Ronnie, you, you had a question about success. Um, go yes. ahead and, and, and hop in with that. Well, you know, in, in this world, right, people have mm-hmm. plenty of examples of success or what they think success is. Like, hey, I just feel good or I got all these followers or even look how many women I've had, et cetera, et cetera. Reggie, where, where do you recommend a man goes in order to find the true definition of success? Mm. I am so glad you asked this question because God sent me on a, um, I have a group called 21 Days of Greatness with different level of speakers, business people involved. And one of my teachers I created is I was called, I just made as I'm created to be successful. Now the breakdown in that, what God showed me through prayer and how he wanted me to show people, a successful person is someone who completed what God put him here to do, he or she to do. Mm. You may be a successful mother. You may be a successful, uh, um, maybe successful in your career, in your job. But it's not a financial status. Success is what you've been, if God told you to be the usher in the church and you do it with great pride and great, you're successful. And so that's what I'm saying from, and I'm trying to help you understand, you can be successful on the level that you are. You don't have to reach this plateau where you are uh, famous and all of that to be successful. Whatever God has called you to do and when you stand in that, because that's the problem too, we're, we're trying to be someone else. I used to try to be Les Brown and Eric Thomas. And God told me, I call you to be Reginald Foreman. So I believe that if everyone can find out what God called them to do, success is a standard by God. He put you here for a reason. He called you to do something. Okay. That's what success is to me. And that, but that was just maybe last year. And that's what I'm helping people understand. If you successful at, at being the best father in your house and you take care of your household and that's what God called you to do, he didn't call you to build eight or nine business. Be successful with what God called you to do. That's what I believe. That can go that's big, Reggie. Thank you for that question, Ronnie. And, and Reggie, thank you for answering it so uh, precisely. 
you know, I love hearing a successful person, someone who completes what God sent them here to do. But Ron, I want to ask you, why were you asking that question about success within the context of trauma for especially in particular for black men? Man, because what I've experienced and what I've seen with black men when it comes to trauma, mm. we often will call success that which helps us just feel good. Yep. And what I've seen with black men and men in general, we aren't built to operate off our feelings. We are built to operate off of our decision-making power. Mm. We have that capability. And so the reason I brought up that question was because when we face trauma, we more often than not forget about that aspect of us, that decision-making, and now we focus on, man, I need to feel good, whether it's with how many women's shorties can I get, how many, what drugs I do, mm -hmm. how can I steal this money, get this money only. And what Reggie said was so powerful because to deal with trauma, we still first have to go to God. You have to. Man, look, you have to. That, that was so powerful what Reggie said. I wanted to, I almost wanted to end the show right there on that. <laughs> that, was, that was worth ending the show right there, man. A successful person is someone who completes what God sent them here to do. Man. I have a quick quote that goes with what Ronnie said that I put on my post when I when I talked about the uh, and I let people know I'm going to therapist. Don't try to cover your issues with excuses of success. Because something he said that was my quote. Don't try to cover your issues because I'm successful. I can cover my issues up. You still have trauma, anger. Your success, your money that you made, it don't mean you don't have no issues. So mm -hmm. don't try to cover your issues up with the excuses of your success. Wow, man, that's powerful. Listen, so a successful person is someone who completes what God sent them here to do. And I know you you got a lot of things that you that you have going. What do you think God has placed you, Reginald Foreman, here to do? Oh, man, he called me here for straight ministry because I was chasing. I want to be the first successful faith-based fashion designer like Ralph Lauren, like Tommy Hilfiger. That was my dream. And mm -hmm. when God told me to write my book, I was like, God, wait till I'm in Paris and I'm everywhere. Then I'll make more money. I ran for God for two years. And he said, writing your book, is, your story is helping people heal. All I was told to do was tell my testimony. I, went, mm -hmm. I started adding bullet points and learning how to speak and go to Toastmasters and learn to be a speaker. But all that was just tell your testimony. So I knew through my story and my overcoming it was helping people believe in God more because I've had people walk up to me and say, if you can write a book, I can write a book. I can't believe that you ain't bitter because I was illegally sentenced to 18 and a half years in prison. Let yeah. out for three years. They came back and said, we let you out erroneously by mistake and put mm. me back in prison. That's one of my biggest part of my story. So everything that I've had to overcome was to tell people you can still at every pinnacle of what you've been through. I have a son with cerebral palsy. I lost my daughter. She died prematurely. I've seen a lot, but I know that God had a purpose. He told me in prison, I get emotional this. When I was, I, I was cursing God out. Where the F were you when these dudes were chasing me home? Where were you when my mother was beating me? Where were you when I was hungry? I had it out in the cell. I ain't played with God. And as I let all that out, he said, I have a purpose for it all. Mm -hmm. So God showed me. That's why that's my mantra. My purpose here to be successful is help everybody understand that God loves you. I don't care if you was abused, if you was raped, if you was thrown in prison falsely, you can turn that pain into a purpose. 
<laughs> that's heavy. You said illegally. You got you got to expound on that illegally placed in prison, man. We we got to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, I robbed the bank at nineteen. I ended up robbing the bank, and what happened with the bank charge? I robbed the people that was working there. But the transcripts of the state prison said I took my time ten feet away from the bank and robbed them. That person while I then ran in the bank. I said a crackhead wouldn't do that. Somebody gonna see me in broad like robbing them before I go in the bank. So they lied. I did rob the bank. I was off the chain at nineteen. And they, they charged me twice. So what they said was, Mr. Foreman, the state said, we're going to run our time concurrent with the feds. So why are you doing your federal? Because wherever you get sentenced first and do the most time, that's where you go. I was never supposed to touch state prison. I was supposed to be over in club fed, as they call it. And I know it ain't club fed no more. But I was supposed to be in the federal prison. But as I was coming up from the bus, it was our six of us. You go to state to get your charge and you go back to federal. They let them get on the bus and stop me. He had the clipboard. He said, Mr. Foreman, you got to do your state first, then your fed. So they hit me with nine years and nine and a half, 18 and a half years. First time getting charged. I know what, 18 and a half years before my eyes illegally sentenced. And um, I have to speed up because there's a lot in that. Ended up winning an appeal. Four years later, I got back in the court because they didn't run their time concurrent. But when I got back in the county jail to go back and face my charge, I got a letter in the mail that says, Mr. Foreman, your case is mute. You exasperated your remedies. You had two years to file an appeal. You didn't file. So now you stuck with nine and a half years in federal prison, basically. As I run to the cell and I was talking to my mentor in the faith, Puerto Rican guy, I'm yelling, hey, boy, I'm calling him. He comes to the wall. I said, the feds just closed my case. The feds, what am I going to do? I was, I was yelling. He said, he got quiet, like in the Bible, say, through a small word. He said, now you're going to see the hands of God. Now you're going to see his power because you have no way else out. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so now I'm reading the Bible, the walls of pardon, the Red Sea, the walls of Jericho, everything real now because I have to believe. And that's why I tell a lot of people. God will wait till you on your back so you have to surrender. Then your faith to kick in. Because other than that, you got your, your fingers crossed. You can call your auntie. I call my uncle. I'm going to get this money. You always got a plan B. I ain't had no more plan. I went in that courtroom. They said, Mr. Foreman, somehow they didn't agree. We were supposed to run our time concurrent. But what we're going to do is reduce your sentence. We're just going to charge you for the gun. The gun carried three years. Now, I was four years in when I got back to account. So I was a year over my new sentence. I could have went straight home out the courtroom and said, Mr. Foreman, we can't let you go. There's a hold on you. There's a detainer. The federal prison is coming to pick you up. But I got out, went, went back to the cell. And I was like, but I seen a light. Reduced sentence, no more state prison. Now, on a Monday is the state prison. They take you to state prison, uh, the bus transit. Tuesday, they take you federal transit. I'm in the county jail. They call me again on a Monday to go to state prison. I'm like, why am I going to state prison? My case was just overturned. What is it called? Why are you trying to figure it out? God has already worked it out. So now they send me to the federal low camp. I write the lawyer. Why am I? Because in my mind, how am I going to beat the federal prisons in the state? I got to get the federal prison. I wrote the lawyer. I wrote the prosecutor. I wrote the judge. No answer. Three has always been my number. I left alone. About four months go by. I'm sitting in this classroom where they teach you how to open up a bank account when you leave prison. The lady from R&D come in and say, Mr. Foreman, we need you. R&D is receiving you in, delivering you out. They said, Mr. Foreman, we need you out of R&D. As I was walking to the door, there used to be this young Haitian kid. I was his big brother. But none of the old heads would deal with him. He was wild. I tell people, the youth need discipline, but they also need love. So I was like his big brother. So he, hey, boy, today is your day. Things happen when it rains. It was pouring down rain. I'm like, what is that, some voodoo or something? That made things happen when it rains. I said, whatever. So I go down there, and the lady typed on the computer. She said, Mr. Foreman, you have an immediate release. See, I'm four months over. I never was supposed to still be in there. I said, all right. But my stomach stopped bubbling like the axer. Because they just told me in the jail, uh, in the courts four months ago, there's a hold on me. I said, is there a hold on me in that computer? She said, no. I said, there's no detainer on my name in the computer. She said, no. I said, I'm going to shut up and ride this out. 
Like get, I changed my clothes. They give you the hundred dollars when you get out of state prison. I walked to the front of the police car with the woman. The feds supposed to came and got me now. I'm walking to the front of the car. She let me get in the front seat. I say, this thing feel real. So she drive me to the bus station. She said, Mr. Foreman, have a nice life. We don't want to see you again. I'm on the Greyhound bus like, oh, man, I just to beat the feds. Because what we say in the streets, the feds, the real game. You don't just beat them. You can throw money at the state judge, not the fed judge. So I'm like, I just beat them. I get out in Miami. Everybody living the same way. I tell people, if you've been through abuse, you've been through uh, prison, you've been through drugs, you need accountability. I knew if I didn't go to St. Louis with my church friend that was Kojic in the church because at 16 they been told me I can live there. That's a whole nother part. I didn't accept the help that God sent. I said, look, I called my aunt and them in St. Louis. Look, I know they go to church and they go to work. I moved up to St. Louis. I was dating the pastor's daughter. I was working at Labor Ready, not thinking about crime. My, my pastor's daughter started having dreams. I went back to prison. I'm like, you're crazy. I ain't even thinking about crime. She had four dreams I went back. Three days, three years I was out. Three days, four days after Valentine's Day, 2004. 6 a.m. I heard a heavy knock. You ever heard a U.S. Marshal serve a warrant? It'll wake you up out of coma. I get up and go downstairs. U.S. Marshal's in the door. Mr. Foreman, they pointed at me because I was coming downstairs. We have a warrant for your arrest. Handcuffed me, put me in a police car, turned around and looked at me and said, you was let out of prison erroneously by mistake. Mm. Now, I wasn't mad at the jail. I was mad at God. I'm like, God, I done did what you asked me. I changed my life. I'm helping people. I was working at the lowest labor ready. I was about to be the deacon in the church. And you telling me I'm going back to prison? Are you an Indian giver? So I get in there. I'm sitting on the edge of the bump. I was in tears, suicide of that red can. I was ready to take my life. Ain't none of, You can't trust God. Ain't got no family, nothing. One of the old heads come to me. He had a life sentence, but he was annoyed. That's why I tell people, accept the help that God sends. You never know who God is sending to help you because it ain't in the package that you want. He right. started speaking like to me. God called you all that. And I, at that moment, I could have said, Negro, another word. I don't want to hear nothing else about God. But I did not just accepted it. Got up. I started going to classes. I got like 30-some certificates of bettering myself. I tell people while you're praying to God, how are you bettering yourself and proving you're ready, you're ready for what you're asking for? I knew if I need to get out of prison, I need to better myself. I got 30. I was voted most likely to succeed prisoner of the month. Yeah, they got those awards in federal prison. <clears throat> finally won, I finally won my appeal because he had fought because they wanted me to do the whole nine and a half. They were fighting against giving me the time I did. They said, we didn't run our time concurrent with state prison. That don't count. They wanted me to just skip four and a half. I did. I finally won. So I did four years, four and a half years, three years on the streets and four years. I did eight and a half years altogether. I tried to get you that fast as I could. <laughs> and yes, I do have film producers trying to turn my life story into a movie. Wow, mm. uh, man. First of all, we just want to thank you again for your testimony. Thank really? you again for, for being with us. And you already know that just means it has to be a part two to, to this show because that's a lot to unpack. And it, I feel like you have a lot more to share with us. Um, but we just want to, uh, if you don't mind, if you could close us out with prayer. Um, I think that would be appropriate uh, for, for this uh, session of the FBS Fireside. Um, closing us out with prayer. So, yeah, thanks, bro. That was good. First of all, thank you again for having me, being able to share my story. And I pray that it reaches the hearts. Some part of it helps somebody realize that God still has a purpose for them. Mm-hmm. Gracious Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I honor and glorify and thank you again for life, health, and strength. I don't take it lightly because many people woke up today without a mind to serve you. They have blood in their veins. And some people, man, that can't even walk, Lord. So I thank you for able limbs and everything. Lord, I thank you for Fireside. I thank you for this platform of men trying to change lives. 
But one thing is hard for us to reach each other. And it's hard for me and especially African-American men, because we've been taught so many ways to be strong and tough. So I pray that everything that you allow to be said for me, the brothers, the questions, some great questions by the brothers that it penetrates the hearts and the spirit and that change is happening right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. Lord, I thank you again for using somebody like me, Lord. Even in the midst of me still struggling, you say, go do work. Mm. So I thank you that, Lord, that you can prove to people you came to shame the abased, the bound with the abased. Lord, you came to use the underdogs. I'm a proven fact. So I pray for this show. I pray for the host. I pray for everybody connected, that they are blessed, their families intact, and that they keep doing what they're doing, opening the platform that people can hear their testimony. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you again. Thank you, listeners, for, for rocking with us today. And we'll see you next week. Um, so we, we can keep talking about how we can turn this pain into purpose, like my man Reginald Foreman. We'll see you next time here on FBS Fireside.